Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Episode 26 ran so long, we had to break it into two parts. So join us now for part one, as Graham McMillan and I discuss Siege, Dark Avengers, Lex Luthor, Flashpoint and Hot Pursuit, Joe Statton, Don Heck, and the webcomics Bucko by Jeff Parker and Erica Moen, and Gingerbread Girl by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. There's also several minutes of high-concept story pitching, but we promise we tried to make it as painless as possible. We hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Sky Machine Going Dancer. <laughs> well, you know, I it's such a good slogan. Um, why not use it in, in cases like why this? Do, why don't Skype take it up? That's what I want to do. That would be great. Yeah, Skype yeah, yeah. Machine Go! And they'll be like, yes! And then Grant Morrison will be like, I would like some money. And then they'll be like, no! <laughs> I'm enjoying your dramatic recreation. <laughs> exactly. Tell me what happens next. I, I am now acting out the way the corporate discussion goes. <laughs> it's one of those days, Jeff. Uh, I know we had a bit of prep. To, like, our normal prep time was basically like, let's talk. I have nothing to talk about. Me neither. Okay, let's get uh, yeah, together. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> prep time be damned. I did like, however, when I said that uh, we should do a half ass, and you said, well, your half ass and my ass will make a mega ass. Not just an ass, a mega ass. Well, absolutely. Completely. Not just one full ass, but mega ass. By I feel like means. that should be like something from, you know, I. I a terrible monster movie or something. <laughs> Mega, Mega ass. ass. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I I could tell you what I've read this week. Yes, start telling um, me. I I have spent this week reading um, Siege, Marvel Siege. Mm. But here's the thing: not the main series, which I've read before. I got all but one of the crossovers out of the library. And the reason I didn't get the other one is because it's on order, but it's not come to me. Mm. Um, And it's really, like, it's really odd to read all those collections at once. (laughs) Um, Siege. First of all, my big surprise, Siege Embedded, which is like, you know, Man in the Streets story, by far the best of the crossovers. Really? By far. In that it was good. Right. As opposed to everything else, which is on a sliding scale of shitty to truly holy crap, how did this see print? Really? Oh, it's the 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 spin offs are terrible. I mean, just appalling. I'm basically I'm really not surprised that Siege was not a sales success. Right. Because and I, I read the main series and I remember the main series being like, eh, but you know, eh. But um the crossovers are terrible. I mean, really, 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 really bad. So, so tell me a little more. How how exactly do who who's the embedded team? Uh, the embedded team. Well, the embedded creative team is Brian Reed and Chris Samney. Hmm. Ooh, so, Chris uh, going to I was like Chris Samney. It's going to look good, right? Uh, Brian Reed, who's not really a writer, really rated before. Um, does a really nice little story. It's really short. That's the thing about Siege. Siege, Siege itself was really short. So all, right. the, all the spin-offs are incredibly short. So all like the spin-offs, three issues all or spin-off something. collections, like the uh, Siege Dark Avengers and Siege Mighty Avengers, mm-hmm. are not really Siege books. <laughs> because you've got the other issues that have mm-hmm. to go into the collection. Um, but it's just... Embedded is just like a nice little story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks lovely. Mm-hmm. But it also has a beginning, middle, and end, unlike the other crossovers. Right, because the Which... other crossovers, especially Dark Avengers. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, really? Well, Dark Avengers pretty much has like two issues of prologue, and then without anything in the collection, suddenly leaps to the aftermath of Siege. So it goes from um, Norman Osborn saying to like the Sentry, "One day you'll have your chance," and like two pages later, the Sentry's dead. <laughs> nothing there saying you know, what you miss is in Siege, and this is the plot, uh, which really, like, as a reading experience, is just ridiculous. It's funny because, first of all, Marvel did their. I was reading Blackest Night 
And Black is not terribly constructed for that sort of thing because you have to read all the books, which A is not true, but B, the collections for Black as Night, especially Black as Night Green Lantern, which is the one book that really crosses over with Black as Night, the main series, mm-hmm. has page breaks where it's like, this is what you've missed. Wow, nice. It's like, okay, this sub and this sub and this sub and now read on. This mm-hmm. sub, this sub and now read on. Mm-hmm. And like, so that would have made Siege Dark Avengers an infinitely better reading experience mm-hmm. uh, but also it made me realize because i didn't really keep up with dark avengers like i'd pop in every now and again but i would i wasn't a book that i was picking up monthly um it just that really made me think how badly brian michael bendis wants to be warren ellis and how badly in a different way he tries to be warren ellis <laughs> You know, how much he wants to be Warren Ellis and how poorly his Warren Ellis impression is. <laughs> oh, you mean in t- just from the extent of Osborne or with everything else as well? Mostly Osborne, but the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's not even like a bra- bad Warren Ellis book. It's like a bad attempt to do a Warren Ellis book. Wow. Um, and it's just... Oh, it's it's just not good. And I know that the series had a lot of people being like, I love it, it's dark. And it's like, yeah, that's in the title, but it's not really dark. It's kind of <laughs> kind of childish. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's dark if it's dark if you've never really experienced anything dark in your life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's the sort of dark the dark that you know, the worst thing you've had is like maybe you had a shitty job and you listen to some music and thought that you hated the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no genuine darkness there. There's no genuine... There's no depth, and there's no pain there. There's lots of people talking about pain and death, and death, Mm -hmm. but it's not there. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this horribly... Oh, it's 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 like a it's the perfect book for someone who's like seventeen years old and is like fuck you, mom and dad. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I Dark Avengers not not for me. Um, but well, you know, I I'm no no no. I'm going to jump in here because I actually I enjoyed the first trade of Dark Avengers, uh, which I checked out of the library um, before all the siege stuff. I didn't love it. I thought there were huge, huge, huge storytelling problems, and and which is pretty much, you know, my main complaint with Bendis these days. I thought that although it spent far too much time congratulating itself on this idea of like, hey, this is the villain, but he really thinks he's the hero. That's how deep I can get inside these people's heads. Like, it was way too self-congratulatory at that point. On the other hand, I thought his characterization of Osborne was... It was interesting. It was worth reading. It was, I thought, better than, like, what we were getting out of, say, Lex Luthor from, you know, DC up until relatively recently, you know, so, but I had, yes. I honestly thought that version of Osborne was Mm -hmm. Lex Luthor. And specifically, he was Lex Luthor during, um, like, the Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly era. Right, when he was president? Lucifer, when he was president, or... and also, like, you know, you had Rucker writing him every now and again. Right. And But it it was, but it's interesting, you're like, I think it's better than what we were getting from Luther. Um, because well, recently... I honestly thought, well, I'm going to completely disagree because I also read, reread Paul Cornell's action comic this week. Okay, so. pre-Cornell action comics. I mean, I don't mean to equivocate <laughs> too right, much, but, but like, no, 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 there was... Well, no, no, because I do feel that um, there wasn't much to Luther in Final Crisis. I felt there wasn't much to Luther in, like, he pops up as a character in Infinite Crisis. Um, He's popped up a lot, I felt, in the DCU for various storylines and events. And it wasn't until Paul Cornell started handling him in action that he sort of became a character that I could tolerate more. Like, a, a good example to me is Luther pops up in Blackest Night um, and, and basically becomes the, the greedy Orange Lantern or whatever, which, while while it made for a certain amount of sense in the characterization, I just remember thinking of, the char- thinking of him as relatively super, super, super shrill uh, 
also as much as I thought the the President Luther stuff is very clearly um, the predecessor for this characterization of Osborne, one of the things that I kind of liked in by the time you get to Dark Avengers, and I had skipped over the majority of Ellis's Thunderbolts run, which may be why I'm having a tendency to rank the Dark Avengers stuff higher than it should be, you know, just because of my own ignorance is I did think that what was nice is, at least in that first trade, rather than having um, what I felt was going on with President Luther was like every three pages you'd see him like do something kind of presidential or kind of smart, and then you'd see him like kind of like grip his fist and think of Superman kind of. Mm -hmm. In, In the Dark Avengers thing, Osborn is basically has the responsibility of keeping the rest of the super team together. And by the time you get to that, like, far too long, like, way overwritten um, discussion between Osborne and the Sentry about mental illness, I think that that's kind of a really more interesting area than I ever saw them kind of get to with Luther, even in the presidential times. So Yeah, I mean... they're, they end up doing different things. I think it's right. worth pointing out. Like you know, I think Bendis was very fond, if not too fond, of going Psst, Norman Osborn's mental, right? Um, whereas with Luther as president, I, I I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying it's a Jeff Lowe plot, but I can't. So <laughs> it's a Jeff Lowe plot. So of course you're going to see him like every two seconds being like, why I am only doing this to fuck up Superman. And like right. the end of that, I don't know if you remember, is um the opening arc of Superman Batman. Yes. Where like Lex Luthor all of a sudden is literally like injecting himself with liquid kryptonite and yes. flying about a horse and being like, fuck you. I know, which is just like exactly. It's it's just not subtle at all. Like Ben just was trying to be subtle. Well, and and, you know, I I I applaud that, but at the same time, I don't. Maybe it's that he wasn't succeeding in being subtle, or maybe his definition of subtle, my definition of subtle, are so amazingly different. But it's like when it's by the like by the time of the siege collection, Mm -hmm. where you know things are supposed to degraded to a certain point and everything it's like Norman Osborn being like I just need to make everything right if only everyone believed in me why are those people fucking on my table okay I'm <laughs> literally talking to the Green Goblin in my head now and it's like right. what? what? yeah what? Well, but that very much mirrors like as much as I because I mean I love the batshit insanity of that first Batman Superman arc. And in fact, most of Loeb's Batman Superman run was very satisfying for me for its nuttiness. On the other hand, by the time you get liquid, you know, kryptonite infused Luther in his battle outfit flying like a giant robot and tripping out on mushrooms or whatever's happening in the last issue, like, I was like, okay, I mean, this was where Loeb wanted to take this run, but like at the end of it, the character felt pretty broken for me. And it oh is, yeah, it has been fair, broken like, I, for. Yeah, I, I think he stayed broken for a long time because pretty yeah. much after that, I mean, I'm trying to think where he even went after that. I guess he went to Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah, pretty much. I I, I think that's and correct. Then, at then the time that, he worked on that. that, yeah, pretty much immediately after that, it's um, it's back to Luther as mad scientist, mm-hmm. um, who pretty uh, he gets. He's one of the very many um, Superman characters who I think has just not been treated well since the the um, one year later, right? Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is because Jeff Johns left the books, and he had a plan. He left the books because he's definitely building something up. Yes, you see something like Last Son, and he's clearly like got his idea of Luther. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll agree that Luther is kind of shill in in Blackest Night, but I think Luther in uh, I was going to say year one, but Superman Secret Origin is mm. is a more interesting nuanced portrayal. Yeah, I'll be curious. I actually checked that out of the library, so I'm kind of got it on the shelf, and I'm like, oh, I'll have to read this. So, um, but you know, I, I think I think he's just one of many things that went wrong with Superman in the last right. years. Um, and I say that as someone who liked New Krypton as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But um, in so many ways, New Krypton isn't a Superman story. <laughs> it's right. a story in which someone called Superman is in it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's not really a Superman story. Right. You know, everything that made it work pretty much had nothing to do with Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like only recently. It's funny because I've been rereading Kurt Busiek's Superman run recently as well. Right. Um, and it's kind of amazing to think, you know, that was only three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of amazing to think, wow, that was a golden era for Superman. Long time since we've seen that. Right. You know, but that that was like straightforward Superman stuff. And it's really well done Superman stuff. Oh, great. And then it was yeah. like, oh, and then everything kind of went to shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I say this to someone who liked New Krypton, but it's not Superman stories. Right. So I agree that, like, you know, Cornell, I think Cornell is doing a wonderful job. With Lex Luthor, um, mm-hmm. I'm rereading the entire run because I, I are you keeping are you reading the run or am I? Uh, no, I picked up a whole bunch of issues. You told me about it's one of those things where they don't have a collection and Hibbs is pretty much sold out. So it's like I've grabbed issues here and there. It's like I had the Death issue. I picked up the Annual. I picked up the Vandal Savage issue. I think I think I might have one more in there because the most the most recent issue is uh, he goes to confront the Joker. Okay, and it's essentially like uh, an issue long conversation between two of them, hmm. um, and there's references, there's shoutouts made to earlier plot points. I was like, I think I remember that. I don't really remember that. I'm going to read the whole run over again, right? Because it's been eight issues, something like that now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's one of those things. Like you read it all over again, you're like, wow, he's laying so much groundwork. I didn't notice. Ah. all these things that you don't notice until later when it suddenly becomes like an issue mm. um so yeah I, I was i was i was really really impressed by it but also like i love things that like um like the joker at one point says to like slither if only i could kill batman then i could save the world and like slither's like mm, it's almost as if you're making fun of me oh you're making fun of me <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know Delusion, you know, you're delusional. It's almost like my delusion. Oh, I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, uh, I I do have to say, if I if I can, based on my half assembled understanding of the few issues that I've read, one thing that I kind of don't like that maybe you can clarify for me in in Cornell's run is this weird chosen guy thing for Lex Luthor. You, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, like Vandal that, Savage is sort of told like, this is the guy. And then like Darkseid, like when in the annual, like Lex Luthor is very young and they basically gets recruited by inner gang and ends up serving an apprenticeship on but, Apocalypse. Yeah, but I, do, I don't think Darkseid, for example, is looking for anything other than, because he even says at the end of the story, he's just looking for someone who's going to muddy the waters. He's looking for someone who's going to do something else of such volume that people will watch him and let Intergang grow. Right. Like, Darkseid is not really thinking he is cosmically meant for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing and the death thing are yes. specifically linked to the story that's going on. Right. What makes him chosen is that he is going to do something with this energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works for me within that because it's basically a MacGuffin. It's Keep reading to find out what he's going to do. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going for some like cosmic. He is destined to be the greatest villain ever. Thing. <laughs> I, I don't think it's anything like that. Um, okay. Well, thank I you. think. I think it's more that he's very charismatic, and people are like, "Wow, he could really amount to something." But there's also an element of because also in the same dark side story, you get Perry White basically saying, "You know, you could really amount to something if you don't fuck it up." Right. And there's also an element of and in the same issue, the the Rachel Gill story that, like, Lex continually gets in his own way. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. Right, because Ra's al Ghul, it's that same deal of, like, there's all this, I guess, combined with the dark side thing. There was this weird, like, wait, so he basically spent all this time running around serving apprenticeships with all these other villains? And there was something about it that struck me as weirdly... It's it's like a twist on comics' recent emphasis on legacy characters, I guess. Almost, See, you know, well, like it struck me as a, a parody of Batman. Uh, it struck yeah. me as basically rich dudes have the time 
and money to go off in the world and train to do what they train to become who they later become right um and the the most recent issue of action starts off with lex luther reading a newspaper story about batman inc I'm basically mm-hmm. like, oh Wayne, I thought you had, I thought you had such potential, and then you go and do something like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing, I just think is is great, right? You know, I I really I really like that sort of thing. Um, yeah. If if the end of this this uh, white lantern, black lantern, whatever you want to call it, story is Lex is fated to become the world's greatest supervillain, that's going to be kind of disappointing. I I much prefer the idea that like. Everyone recognizes Lex, Lex's potential, apart from Lex, who thinks his potential is greater than it actually is, and will consistently get in his own way. Right. I'm I'm down with the getting in his own way, at least to an extent. I guess there's part of me that sort of feels, you know, it's weird. It's like I can't quite put my finger on it, but it it kind of reminds me of those people insist that William Shakespeare didn't write William Shakespeare's plays. You know what I mean? Like there's something that's weirdly I don't think it's intended at all. I think it's one of these l- little consequences, but I I sort of like the idea of Lex Luthor as self-made man, you know? And so by the time that he butts heads, you know, but butts heads with Superman, it's the, like, he's, you know, the, the embodiment of a certain kind of human self-realization. And but so but do you me, think anything's actually been taken away from well, because the dark side story, he is about him being a self-made man. Um, yeah, he does actually end up striking out on his own, but only after he kind of like, you know, there's this idea that he accumulates a little bit of stuff from here and a little bit of stuff from Raj, and he learns a little bit about but, the boom tube tech. And but is and that I, ne- is that necessarily why does that not count in your idea of a self-made man? I don't. Are you know. saying a self-made man isn't allowed to learn or borrow? In which case, history might disagree with you, Chad. Absolutely, as as and as well it should. Um, I I just think that uh, I think there is something where the you 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 want him to completely be self-made. You want him to be everything he has come up with is a product of his own genius. Yeah, because in that way, Superman and Lex Luthor represent two different idealized views of Americans. You know what I mean? Like, so, so Superman... Oh, the, the immigrant in me was just like, I don't think anything like Slytherin has done takes him away from an idealized view of America. Well, no, 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 no. But I mean, that's it. He <laughs> should, but, but I, I think that one view of the idealized version of, of America is the self-realized man that, that exists outside of tradition. You know what I mean? Like he, 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 like... The, the concept of the inventor that breaks with tradition, even the idea of science and rationality breaking with it, the idea that, that Luther is this guy who not only pulled himself up by his own bootstraps, but invented his own bootstraps to sort of pull himself up by. He had nobody, he had nothing, everything was taken away from him, and what he achieves, he achieves through a certain, you know, steely force of will. See, I'm yeah. really, really tempted to say that maybe Cornell is commenting on the myth uh yeah 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 no i well i do get the sense that he's trying to do something that is either it's either it i mean it's a very sensible way to bring other villainous characters in as opposed to having it just be a very weirdly arbitrary kind of like oh you know Here's the issue where Luther and Professor Zoom play Chinese checkers for oh, yeah, the fate which, of Star City. Or which I, I still think is actually, is a lot there. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to the jungle, here's Gorilla Grodd's. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I missed that issue, really? but yeah. Right. Gorilla Grodd, yeah. by the way, attacks people with a giant spoon. <laughs> Seriously, he does. He has an attack spoon. Is that like some sort of insane like cereal box in joke that we don't know about or I don't know about I, I, I don't know but he really does jump into action with a giant spoon <laughs> um, no, I, I think there is I think it, the first few issues um, have a certain level of here's this issue's guest star here's this issue's guest star right um, and I think the 
I don't even want to say if it's adding to the mythology or just like bastardizing Lucifer mythology in this way at least makes it seem a little bit more gag. Right. Well, then that's it. I kind of suspect that what he's angling for is is a more organic approach to that, which makes sense to me. But like I said, I have this kind of weird frustration, like I said, that's born out of this kind of, you know, half-formed um, met- uh, symbolic symmetry that I'm always such a sucker for. So, uh, so yeah, there's a way in which I'm like, ah. I, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm still enjoying the characterization. I also really enjoy the way that Cornell seems... Like you said, the, him picking up the paper and commenting on Batman Incorporated is such an it's such a nice old school touch. You know what I mean? That's such a great that's kind of the way that, that comics used to cross over, I guess. Yeah. In a way that was that always made them feel like a universe more than the idea of like, you know Literally crossing over. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to fifteen spin off series for Flashpoint. Yeah, that's that's a little bit crazy. I mean, I, I definitely appreciated Douglas's little article on TechLad where he points out that there are other series that have had even higher amounts of tie-ins. But yeah, still but the, the problem is when you announce them all at once and yeah. you truly just give the titles, it's overwhelming. It's like, holy yeah. crap, you're doing 15 spin-offs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's nothing else to the story at that point. You're literally just saying, look at the number of extra things well and i think there's also that weird version of like it's it's kind of what you were saying about house of m like they have to kind of like it's everyone i think would be really pissed if if those story if those miniseries don't count you know what i mean um and yet there's a way in which like DC, like, I think he has to come up with a new way to f- figure out to, a way to make them either count or not count, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So... I, I honestly, honestly would like if Flashpoint is... I think I said this last week. Like, every issue, it's a different reality, because he's just continually changing. Right. Yeah, I think actually... I think from... I, huh? Oh, yeah, sorry. No, 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 sorry. Uh, I think Skype cut out on you, and I figured you were finished, So, so, so keep going. No, I was going to say, I like the idea that instead of it just being like Age of Apocalypse or House of M, mm-hmm. it's, it's just continually fucking with the reader. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that literally within the same issue, they'll have more than one reality and they're like, yeah, keep up. Right. We're, we're literally just fucking with you at this point. I think I would appreciate that if, of course, A, we come back to a somewhat revised or utterly different status quo. Um, or B, that it ends up having a very succinct and real uh, impact. I wanted, yeah, exactly. You know, where it's like all those realities are introduced, and essentially, I mean, this is the one thing that I kind of like about John's that I have a certain amount of faith in. Whatever I think he spins out, he's already looking to where that's going to end up going you know, two or three events down the road. So, you know, so I think if he ends up spinning all of these different alternate realities out of Flashpoint, I'm okay with the idea of that meaning crisis on infinite Flashpoints, like three, you know, three events down the line where all these characters he introduces declare war on the DCU or whatever it ends up being. This is actually one of my few issues with Flashpoint, because I think the basic idea of Flashpoint is sent. I don't, I think sport. Is kind of ludicrous unless they really do put issue put the regular books on hold. Right. Like that's that's like the one way I'm like okay that's not ludicrous, um, but I don't think it is. I think from everything I've heard suggests that they really are just adding 15 books. Um, but Flashpoint seems unnecessary when you have a multiverse already filled with alternate versions of those characters. Exactly. Exactly. There's a way in which it doesn't make... That's what I said. Like, there's that weird, like, either you go the House of M route, where it's like, you never see any of those characters again, or those histories don't really matter, you know? Or you have the whole DC thing of like, oh, well, and now there are all these these characters in the multiverse. 
so what? You know what I mean? Like, there's a weird, like, both of those thing, angles, I think, are pretty played out. And I think the yeah, only I, way I, it I, works is I, if there's a new way. Yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine what the new way would be. Right. And I don't, here's the thing, I don't want Flashpoint to end with, we have this multiverse of 52 Earths, now we have the multi-timeverse. Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't want that. I don't want them to be like, and now there are even more alternative versions of characters. <laughs> Because, wow, great, thanks. Right. You know, that that's kind of meaningless. And also, first of all, it's a DC event, so it's fairly likely that reality is going to be changed in some way as a result. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what the crossovers do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I realized last week, after the Flashpoint things were announced, like, you know, the number of crossovers that have that as a result, I was like... I'm not even sure I care about that anymore. Well, yeah, it just seems it seems they they either could have rolled that out differently or they could have. It, it just strikes me as um, as kind of a, a potentially a big mistake. We'll see whether or not it, it ends up being that way or soon. But certainly, it's this very weird way of like, oh, <laughs> kind of like you've got event fatigue. You know, it's like wait until it's... now. <laughs> exactly. We'll show you event fatigue. You'll be like, your eyes will start bleeding as you walk into the comic store. <laughs> exactly. You'll feel a pressure in your head just walking towards <laughs> <It's>, us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you don't get an aneurysm just whipping out your wallet, we haven't done our job. We will hospitalize you. It's, really, yeah. it's funny though, because I mean, I I honestly believe that um, Fear itself is probably going to be as big in scale. Mm-hmm. But at least Marvel's like, hey, Fear itself, we're doing this big crossover. It's going to be a big crossover. It's going to be very important. And they're not like, oh, and here's all the other books that are parts of it. Well, see, that's it. Yeah, they're almost looking restrained at this point, which is just like, wow, what happened here? Something's yeah, no, gone. Marvel really is wrong. looking restrained. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. DC. You've done a great job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Something is terrifyingly wrong here. Yeah, completely. Um, I don't. I don't know. I will be. I'll be kind of. I'll be kind of curious. I do have to say though that looking at that one image of the guy who's riding the motorcycle, whatever is is it breakaway hot pursuit? Is that what he's named? Hot, yeah, hot pursuit. Because that's a spectacular name. You know, Hot Pursuit is a goddamn terrible name. It is <laughs> fucking... I really am. I'm like, I hope they change that son of a bitch by the end of it. Like, anything, anything. Flash but, pants you know I, would be hot, I, you know, better. And B expect Hot Pursuit versus Captain Cold. Oh. I'm, I'm completely serious. I'm expecting an issue of Flash between now and the end of the summer. That is like the two of them facing off against each other and it's going hot versus cold. Completely. <laughs> Do you know why? That's how Jeff John's mind works. That that is actually this is the thing, this is why I love Hot Pursuit, is looking at it like I was totally like, wow, like this is somebody who was like looking at all the Tron stuff and went, you know what? Light cycles are cool. We should come up with a, you know. We should come up with a light cycle guy. We should come up with a light cycle. And frankly, this is, I don't know if it's like the weird, you know, the, 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 you know, the not so closeted ghostwriter fan part of me, but the idea of somebody who builds a motorcycle that can like tap into the speed force and use it to do stuff. I don't know if that's what the guy, what they're going for. And then you've got is kind of a great idea. I'm like, that's kind of a weirdly goofy spin-off idea that I would enjoy reading about. Yeah. Know? And it, uh, one of the reasons it's actually an enjoyable spin-off idea is it's not, there's something weird to me about the fact that all the flash characters pretty much are the same character. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all like, hey, they run fast. Yeah. Some of, some of them might run fast because of a formula, but it's a formula that allows them to tap into exactly the same energy that helps the other guys run fast. Exactly. exactly. You know, I like the idea of, like, this self-made man worked out a way for his technology to tap into that force. If you're going to get completely be married to the speed forces, the only thing that can make people go fast. Right. At least give me a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. No, exactly. That's why I think it's kind of a cool idea. Like, it's kind of like, that would be, like, right off of, you see, like, a whole bunch of potential hooks for this, like, 
dude who's like driven to tap into it but doesn't actually have it himself and but at the same I, time you know i the idea of you know hot pursuits as a an ongoing character no <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's going to be oh this criminal is getting away but i've got a flat tire <laughs> Running out of gas! Exclamation point. Yeah. Exclamation point. No, no way, man. Bad. I'm totally. I I I have you're, to disagree. You're positive. You're hot pursuit positive. I am. I would have to say. I am. I'm almost sexily hot pursuit positive. Uh, you know, because hot if, the, if ever there was a sexy name, <laughs> for sure, it really does hot sound. Pursuit. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. That may have been your best sexy man per yet, I have to say. Hopefully <laughs> brings it out of me. <laughs> as as it does for everyone. No, I did, did you ever read the Human Fly, Marvel's Human Fly comic book? I did not. Uh I've I've seen I've literally like seen covers. But that's, yeah. that's pretty much my state of um interacting with the human fly. I I, I know that it's James' favorite comic. Uh, oh, is it? Yes, oh, of course and, it is. And he is, um, I believe he's met the human fly. I could be wrong. Wait, okay, because I thought the theory was that the human fly didn't what didn't exist apart from like a lot of people thought it was a hoax that Bill Mantlo hooked up for. No, no, no. There's, himself. there's like I got. Oh, there, at least there's a guy who claims to be the human. Oh, okay. Well, I probably that's a smart move. Anyway, yeah, it's. Uh, Really, the co- the covers were some of the best parts about the comic, but there is that there's like the one I think is like the second issue where the human fly like signs up to be on some sort of like cross country motorcycle race and one of the other stunt race and one of the other participants because he was a stunt rider is Johnny Blaze. And of course, it just turns into it's basically a speed racer episode dressed up as a superhero comic book on motorcycles where they're jumping through like traps and pits and things. Yeah, they're totally like, this is what Hopper said needs. Tell me about it. I'm just like, I'm like, I read that comic book 75,000 times. I was even aware that it was not. Do you hear any DT editor that is listening to this? Yes. Please, please, if you are ever considering a Hopper suit series, please call Jeff. Lester. Yeah, Please. absolutely. Because you know he would give it far too much thought, far absolutely. more thought than anyone would expect him to give. Okay, so grab. Yes, I'm just going to say like, well, I was going to say three words, but then I realized I'm not sure what two of them are. So I'm going to actually <laughs> go a little bit bigger of this. Okay, let's let's try four words. Okay, no wait, five <laughs> words. My inability <laughs> to count is amazing. Hot Pursuit, Mountain of Judgment. That's six. Right? Oh, no, it's five. You're right. Yeah, see, it took me some work. I'm like, no, no, wait. Hot Pursuit is two words. Mountain of Judgment, technically, of, yeah, all right. You know, I, I'm I probably going to always call it the, the Mountain of Judgment. Okay, that, don't get me wrong. That would be awesome. Yeah. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Flashpoint. Do, you know do you know what takes away the awesome? What? Hot Pursuit? Yes. <laughs> awesome is just mountain of judgment <laughs> yeah but this is what i'm saying is is if you have a character that has to race through the mountain of judgment against other harrys for some other reason that will bring back something okay, that it... the, on, the only only way i would let you get away with that mm-hmm. is if hot pursuit is replaced by jimmy olsen jimmy olsen Me... riding the hot pursuit bike okay I here's the thing. I'm not willing to. I'm negotiating here. I'm bartering. <laughs> I will not give you that. I will give Hot Pursuit. One of the competitors in the race is Jimmy Olsen in the Whiz Wagon. You're driving a hard bargain. That's what I'm saying here. Are the, are the news by Legion there? Of course they are. What are they doing? Well, they're either reporting. On the race for the Alternanet, which is this alternate internet that the Harrys have set up to report on secret youth-oriented superpower events, or... Holy crap! Someone at DC, give this man a job! (laughs) 
You are, of course, remembering that DC already has an alternate internet called the internet. Yes, which is, this is, this, see, this is why I should be writing for DC. What did I do in my moment of stress? I ripped off Grant Morrison. Like, I just went right for that. <laughs> this is why I'm perfect for DC. DC, call me, baby. I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got a hot pursuit tattoo that I'm getting as soon as we get off this, uh, this phone conversation. I told you about my, my way of making Cyborg work as a character, right? You told me that you I, had a way. And, and and this, this is basically, this is my contribution to Black History Month. Have you ever noticed that all of DC's tech characters are black? Yes. So you, basically, I, you get I, Cyborg, turn him into the new Mac, and have Mr. Terrific and John Henry Irons as his backup team. Wow. Wait, so he's the new Omac? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But you can even call him Cybomac. <laughs> Cybomac. Okay, now Maybe that's not. just... That, that's exactly... <laughs> too many infomercials, Graham. You just have to step away from the TV for a while. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's that's actually you kind of... A... Like, you still call him Cyborg. Just give him the Omac tech. Basically, right. give Cyborg an upgrade, because, I mean, lots of people have tried as a thing, and he always ends up going back to the old look. Yeah, see, because um, the old look is kind of... I mean, I hate to say it, but there are those characters that exist in, in in superhero comics that only kind of work almost as a visual gimmick. Like, I mean, the I, fact I'm that... I'm really tempted to say that Firestorm's one of those. Yeah, exactly. Like, you change, you change the outfit, there's nothing to it. To me, it's kind of like Angel and the Ape. Angel and the Ape is like hot girl gorilla in a trench coat. Like anytime you start going away from that or, you know, it's like, that's the, the idea all of the thinking was done at the end of a pencil tip, you know? And I, I just think that there's something like, I love Vic Stone's, like his look. He basically does, he almost doesn't have anything else going on for him apart from that. I mean, whenever they do, it's kind of like, it's back to, Oh, I'm the DC's, you know, I'm, you know, one of the legion of very well, um, in, you know, I, I'm pretty well centered African American characters, which I basically I'm okay with. I think we need a couple hundred more of them, but I do think that there is something that sort of, like you said, Mister Terrific and John Henry and Vic as Cyborg. Like I'm not sure how much their characters really differ from one another. You know what I mean? I I think that John Henry and Mister Terrific are pretty much the same character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Vic actually has his own character, um, but I think that John Henry Irons and Mr. Terrific are pretty much the same character, which is why I'd love to put them together. <laughs> no, I'm serious, because it forces you to differentiate them. Right, right. Exactly. Like, you okay. have to come up with a different... Otherwise, you'll be like, hey... I mean, especially because... Oh, that's true. I was going to say they look the same, and I was like, no, wait, John Henry Irons is bald. So they, yes, exactly. They're, they're too different. I, I just um, like the idea that you would like cut back and they'd be wearing each other's outfits with like no explanation. But you that, know? That's what you start with. And then they're like, why are we doing this? And then they both get freaked out by it. And then they come up with like really fake new hobbies that they're coming up with to show they have other interests. It's gold, I'm telling you. That would be great. <laughs> but, yes. No, I just, Don't it, call me Steel anymore. From now on, I am high alive. From now on, I am on pursuit. Hot pursuit. Yes, uh, the, the other DC thing I would suggest, and I almost said this on Twitter, but I didn't. Have, I actually didn't have enough characters, sadly. Um, <laughs> when we were talking about uh, when we were talking about the the, the unnamed fifteenth Flashpoint. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Return of Bruce Wayne Flashpoint. But Bruce Wayne, while traveling through time, drops into an alternate reality. Somehow knows it's an alternate reality and kicks the Reverse Flash's ass. The end. <laughs> You know, I have to say, there are times where I wonder if they should try crowdsourcing comics, you know? Like, there's times where it's like following, like, uh, a, a few of the fictional Twitter accounts that, that I follow. I'm kind of like, they have a lot more freedom to go with the characters than the normal characters do. I mean, it's sort of the nature of fanfic and, and yeah. role-playing and stuff, but it would be fun to see the guy who's been writing the goddamn Batman get a chance to, to write a four-page goddamn Batman comic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where it would be exactly that sort of thing, 
It's like, okay, then he shows up and he kicks Reverse Flash's ass. The end. You know, like, it's it's almost more fun. I mean, this is the interesting point, is after complaining about Batman Incorporated number two um, a week or two back, I do like the idea that creators can have fun with the characters. It And it it just doesn't seem to happen as often, you know, as, as it would like. But, yeah, some of that silly stuff would be awesome. But they'll never have, like, a Flashpoint Captain Carrot. Well, I don't hey, think... Hey, Captain Carrot was one of the cavalry in Final Crisis, remember? I know, which I totally was thrilled with. Because I'm like, oh, thank God. Because Jeff Johns did that crazy, like, one-shot where he turned them into regular animals for, like... Was that Jeff people. Johns? I th- thought it was, wasn't it? Was it Je- Or was it Scott Shaw and Jeff Johns? Or... It was Scott Shaw and someone. I'm not sure it was Jeff Johns. Well, I want to say that it was, but maybe I'm wrong because of the Titans lead-in. Jesus, I'm I'm actually too tired to let's see Captain Carrot one shot. The best one part shot is that uh, I can hear. I want to say I actually have the horrible feeling it was a miniseries. Uh, yeah, I I love that I can hear you type. But <laughs> that. It's it's like a radio play where you're like let's see, like narrating it as you're typing, and you're like. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I take it back. Captain Carrot in the final arc was written by Bill Morrison and drawn by Scott Shaw. And I think that's the one where it ends with them turning back into regular animals or something crazy. Yeah, which is just like, what? No. What? No. I know it was such a. I was but really, that's really why, happy. Like, to see the, the, the end of Final Crisis, basically, because I honestly think it's probably Grab Arson being like, "Oh, people are really pissed off about that. I can, I can change it in one panel." Look, they're back. Yeah. Right, and exactly. It, and it was like it was intended. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that that is one of the things that I I love about that. I I love the the little variations of. I don't know, you know, it, it, I really wish that Final Crisis had hit the sweet spot more for me than it did, because it's one of those things where it's like, in the talking of it, I'm like, ah, yeah, that's so great. And then, of course, I remember reading it, and I'm like, uh, it's kind of rushed and sort of dashed off, and I'm glad these characters are there, but at that point, like, like whoever was drawing was literally like, I have no time to draw these characters, you know. So as I recall, they were very hastily drawn, Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew oh, type God, characters. I'm, I'm from a, a distance as well. It's a lot. Yeah, um, exactly. Did you see the, the interview with G J uh, yesterday? Uh, no, I didn't. I hope everyone who was bitching about him not finishing Final Crisis read it and felt like shit. Oh, really? He Is was it horribly, about horribly sick and was undiagnosed. Oh no! He was apparently like in hell. Ugh. And so I also hope that everyone who's like he can't even finish this series, what a hack! Like read it and then was like, "Oh, I'm having a moment of self-realization." <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I had that thing of like when they announced it was him. I I kind of thought. Well, I mean, that's not ever going to happen, right? You know, I mean, was I the only one who thought that? And I don't mean anything bad about him. I just think that, I you know. I think you do. Oh, yeah, I secretly do. I'm like, oh, take that, J.G. Jones. I'm secretly doubting you. I mean, I just think. I'm a hater. I am. I, I definitely have my moments of, of uh, haterade, I guess. But I don't. I don't really. I just think that J.G. Jones, great artist. I just don't, I can't remember anything that he did that wowed me that was done on a monthly basis, really. Oh, yeah, he's not a monthly basis guy at all. Yeah, so, I mean, that's all I mean. I didn't think that that was a a big deal. I mean, you know, anything that's at all controversial is, uh, you know, so, I, 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 you know, I, I just felt bad that on the one hand he ended up kind of, that things just sort of, the you saw the sort of the quality of the work just really take a beating, I think, as it went on, which was tough. Um, You know, so that by the end, I mean, there is something that's almost kind of charming about how sketchy the the final issue felt to me, but it really did just in my memory have kind of this weird, like, wow, this is, these, these people are under a tremendous amount of pressure to turn this out. And it kind of kept it from being as enjoyable, I think, as, as it could have been. So, I, I think that um, it really, by the time the Final Crisis finished, I honestly remember thinking, 
I wish Doug Monkey had drawn the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he, he is, to my mind, as good as J.G. Jones. Yeah. Like, different stylistically, but it's good. Um, mm-hmm. He's able to do a monthly schedule. Yeah. Uh, and Orson clearly enjoys working with him. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that he wasn't given it from the get-go. Yeah. Well, I think they probably, I think, I don't know why they went the way that they did, but, I mean, clearly they lined him up for the, I don't think he could have been able to do the Superman Beyond uh, tie-in and do those, and I, I kind of love his work on the Superman Beyond stuff, so when he comes back in to kind of, like, get a little bit of, you know, fresh air, you know, it's I, I, th- I thought it opened things up, but yeah, I, I mean, looking back on it, actually... Has there ever been any huge crossover event that is ever shipped on time? Uh, Blackest Night. Did Blackest Night totally? It didn't. It didn't. Last issue didn't ship. Like, was no. it delayed by a couple of weeks or anything? Uh, no, I want to say Blackest Night was entirely on time. If it was de- definitely was delayed. It was delayed by weeks and not a month. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, because I was just thinking back. Probably, I'm like, you're probably going back to something like Millennium. Right. That's what I was thinking. Over. Weekly and sh- and shipped on time, you know, with the same creative team all the way through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but see, Joe Stanton is <laughs> Joe Stanton was not everybody's cup of tea. You know what I mean? Like I, but people I, who don't like him, telling you, fools. <laughs> no well, one does blocky anatomy like Joe Stanton. <laughs> Actually, I think there are, but like nobody quite shows that like... No one does weird noses like Joe Stanton. No, but nobody I'm quite has... A... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody quite has that apazine feel quite the way that Joe Stanton does. Uh, well, I mean, I just, I like Stanton's work, but like, I like, I'm sort of like him drawing Dick Tracy makes a lot of sense. Him drawing every DC superhero in a weekly crossover makes less sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those, but like, it, hey. All, all came out in time. It did, as, as did every issue by Don Heck. So, you know, of anything Don Heck ever drew. So I would, I, I, I see, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I remember reading uh, Marvel Essential Iron Man with Heck's early issues, and his stuff in there is fucking blindingly good. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my big thing is... I'm a huge Heck fan. I, it just took me a long time to realize what I like about Heck is what he's not, what sort of what he's barely being allowed to draw in Iron Man. You know, like I think his design sense for supervillains and his action sequences, all that stuff. But in terms of his being able to like his sort of almost Canoneff, Milton Caniff, you know, sort of cartoonist influence style like god i love how that man draws happy hogan you know? oh god yeah when he's just drawing normal people when he like, draws when normal when people, drawing, like people in suits having a conversation you're like no that's that's cartooning yeah that's exactly right there exactly exactly so like you know it was that's, the superhero that's so, stuff that's that threw true of so many like early marvel artists yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like when they're doing the the, the uh, secret entity stuff, you can tell mm-hmm. they're like, "This is great," and as soon as it's like, and then the Green Goblin appears. Yeah, it's it's not that it like visibly gets worse, but you can tell they're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like I was trying to explain yesterday for um for Robot Six, like why I like um the Jeff Parker Eric Mullen comic Baco and the Colin Coover Paul Tobin comic Gingerbread Girl so much. And right. what it really comes down to is you can tell they're really having fun with it. Yes. But it's really hard to, to define that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like you've just got to read it. Like if you read it, you understand. If you read right. it, you can see that they're enjoying themselves. And that really comes out in the work when someone is really – when they're not fighting the page. Yeah. When they're like, this is great fun. Yeah, absolutely. It always comes out and it always something better. Well, I, you know, I've been a huge fan of of Tobin and Colleen Coover, Coover ever since Banana Sunday. Uh, so I'm so thrilled that they're working together again and reading this was just... I mean, because there are times where I'm like, I, I will have... I felt this way more. Like, I, rem, I read Bucko and it was like a, that, you know, those first three sets of strips. Like, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the cartooning of it and I found myself feeling a little meh about the story so far. Whereas I found that the gingerbread girl, I'm just pretty much, I'm pretty much on from like 
from like the first page. Oh god, yeah, Gingerbread Girl starts so well, and I like the ending the first chapter with uh, Anna saying, "I'm a tease." You're like, "Yep, I'm I've signed on." But the most recent chapter where they're like, you know, here's the science, here's the science part. I was like, oh, seriously, it's it's just it's it's ballsy if that makes sense. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They're like, oh, we're yeah. just going to explain like how this actually works, and it's real science. We're not just making this shit up. It's not like you know. Why why are they talking about the science of that? Like I found it fascinating. I'm, I'm guessing I'm... it's going to continue on the next page. Oh, okay. This, okay. this is this was created as a graphic novel that is being mm-hmm. serialized. It's not created as a serial that's, that will then be collected. Okay. Okay. Like, it's actually, yeah, I do think if you tell the the second and third the first and second chapters like continue that way as well. Like I'm mm-hmm. a is a really nice line to end on, but yes. the next panel is a continuation of that sentence. Right, exactly, exactly. I, I kind of had that. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and then... But Bucko is being created as as um, as a webcomic, as, yes. as a serialized edition. But I, I, really, I really liked Bucko. I don't know, there was just something about it that was just... I don't know. I I, I was just like, they're having fun doing it, and I'm it. I'm sold. And also knowing that it's leading up to the murder and the solving thereof uh, makes me very happy. Excuse me? Bucko's the, leading up to a murder? The, the, this, this is the tease for Bucko. The guy in his interview is desperately going to need to go to the toilet. Uh-huh. He will go to the toilet. He will be direct to the toilet in the building. He will find a dead body in the toilet. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that, that actually makes me um, very eager to sign on. That, uh, that, that, was, that was the tease of the series. The tease of the series was actually like, if you find a dead body in a toilet, what would you do? Because mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff Parker likes asking that question genuinely. I've seen him do it at Periscope. <laughs> the one time I was at Periscope, yeah, I remember him asking someone. And I was like, I have, I have no idea what I'd do. And I then asked Kate. I was like, Kate, what would you do? And she was like, I would not be able to go to the toilet if there's a dead body in there. What do you think? <laughs> she was like, I would find another toilet. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see where it goes. I I mean, again, Erica Moen's uh, art is gorgeous, so it's did worth you, dragging you along with. But what's that? Did you read Dar? Did you read her comic? Uh, I read the. I ended up. It ended up flying under my radar forever, and then I ended up reading. I want to say part or maybe all of the collection. I think pretty much after Abhe reviewed it. So I was about as late to 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 the party as you can actually get. But yeah, I read it. I enjoyed it. She's got a great style. I mean, I just I love the the her um, her drawing the, the way she draws the world. I really enjoy. You know, there's something so I want to say elastic, but that doesn't possibly doesn't mean anything about it. But you know what I mean? Like there's something very energetic about right her art. Yeah, I mean this and is going very, to be like on you go. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. And very, yes, yes. No, I no, I completely lost after you said this is good. Damn it! Awesome. I am so sorry. I, it reminds me of a non. It's going to sound really weird. Of it reminds me of Peter Bag. There's something oh, about I can it. Totally see that. Yeah. Okay. But thank also, God. It does like it completely doesn't. But I can mm-hmm. completely see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just something about the the way the figures are and just sort of the their arms and everything that really makes me think of Peter Bag. But I mean, w- with a completely different set of obsessions and styles and even where it's coming from emotionally. But yeah, now, uh, that's I where I was going. Are, are you um, following Erica on Twitter? Talk, you know, talk, talking about obsessions. <laughs> I think I followed her for a little while and then unfollowed her. Which was it crazy. when she had an obsession about talking with her poos in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those things where, honestly, I was just like, I totally think you're wonderful for doing this. There was like three or four days where she's like, had my morning poo. <laughs> and I have no idea why I found that completely charming, but I really did. I was like, I love that somebody's just reporting about that. <laughs> That is awesome. Maybe I should I should refollow her. No, I think I, I followed her at a, a stage where I think she was just 
fiscally strapped. So it seemed like every other tweet was like a link to something that she was selling on Etsy, which is totally fine. But at a certain point, I was like, I'm not getting so much out of this. So, um, but I I should jump back in. There were also times where, because watching her and Jeff Parker tweet as Periscope studio mates or whatever Mm -hmm. was actually really, really fun and kind of sweet which is why it's kind of great that they're doing something on Bucko together. So they just they just so clearly seem to crack each other up. It sort of seemed like it was a, a great little combo. I just realized we were talking about this, and I know that Jeff Parker listens to this podcast. I'm now completely embarrassed. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not as embarrassed as I should be, considering I'm like, eh, I'm not caring so much for it. I'll stick around, <laughs> but, you know, I'm you just got to forget that. Please, Jeff, when you meet me don't punch me in the nose I, don't, my face can't Jeff, take much it bleeds really really easily it's true it's true <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm anemic although I'm... if it was a, a Jeff Johns comic the two of you could have like your heads and like facing up against you and they'd be like Jeff versus Jeff <laughs> <laughs> who is Jeffer turn in and see <laughs> who is Jeff that's a good question isn't it? Which one is uh, for Jack?